0: Hey guys, this is Matt. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to remind everybody to rate and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Alright, enjoy the show.
1: Welcome to Monster Porn, weird fiction and horror podcast. The podcast compiled from Stephen King's private browser tabs.
0: This week's story is Pastorous by Brett Norwood. My therapists say that I can cut down to one session a month now. Uh, You know, they say that I'm not muttering the words pig anus in my sleep anymore. So that's, that's, that's that's good?
1: Not now, Matt. I need to concentrate.
0: On what? the, The wall? Dude, why are you just staring at that wall? It's insanely blank. There isn't even a crack in the lath and plaster. As a matter of fact, this may be the only room in this apartment that has actual drywall. And you don't give a fuck, do you? Brett! Brett!
2: Blood of the gods, I've seen
1: it.
0: Oh, shit.
1: Matt, the profanity is a negative vibration. I'm exercising the Tibetan spiritual sight, visualizing the Dakini consort of Vaja Haruka, developing the ability to see through the diaphne Of this base common world. Into the pure land and sea.
2: A deity.
0: Mm -hmm. And I see a crazy man with bleary eyes staring out into space. Uh, You may have a little bit of spittle there on your chin.
1: Yes, well, that can happen when one sees the field of buddha light arise around the holy goddess.
0: Brett, I have no idea what it is you think you are seeing.
1: The neighbor girl is showering.
0: No shit? Um, anyway, we're, we're supposed to be working. Uh, did you finish your story?
2: What?
1: A young woman dressed like a priest sat alone in the dark. Moonlight cut through the window blinds to make her white collar glow. One entering the hotel room would see that white square, floating in the emptiness first. And then, perhaps, the glistening above it of two eyes and the crescent of light falling onto her page-cut hair. Patience
2: is one of the virtues, and is one of hers. About 3 a.m., the key card reader clicked and released
1: the latch. The door slipped open to reveal the man backlit by the hall lights. He stumbled in, wounded perhaps, or more likely, drunk as shit. He did not see the white square, but immediately turned into the bathroom, failing to turn on the room lights first. He slammed the bathroom door, and she watched the bar of light below it, and breathed slowly. The toilet flushed, and the water ran. The man stumbled out again and turned on the
2: room lights. His glossy eyes caught on the pastorus. The dawn of this world is coming, she said, looking at his black leather shoes. He could not reply.
1: Beside the chair, a black duffel lay open like a midget body bag. In her lap lay the silenced pistol and stock and scope that had come out of it. The pastoress spoke with an unplaced accent
2: and flawed grammar. The wren falls to the earth. She pronounced steadily. And loses itself. And it nurtures all things else, what grows of earth. The wren does not last all time. It does not nurture itself, to expense of all what is else. But it gives. She shot him in the head.
1: The bullet proceeded through a modest red spray into the HVAC duct in the ceiling from which there now came a barely audible rush of air. She listened for movement in the hotel as, with steady and deliberate hands. She broke back down the gun and arranged the parts into their foam cutouts in the duffel. No one responded to the silenced shot. Rising cat-like from her post of so many hours, she snatched up the duffel and stepped gingerly around the body and exited the room. A thin red trickle left Jeffrey Heyer's nostril and joined the burgeoning puddle on the economy carpet. Dissociative fugue, the police had called it. They weren't psychologists, but they saw the diagnosis acted out all the time, they said. Brenda Hayer, wife of the deceased, explained to them, He changed so much, so fast. She thanked God that the kids were grown and out of the nest. At T-minus five months, Jeffrey began getting headaches. At T-minus three months, Brenda was pretty sure Jeffrey started spending a couple hundred dollars a month on anime figurines and had visited a prostitute. At T-minus two months, he gave her a surprise mustache ride in the middle of the day and she was still upset, but she didn't stop him. One month ago, he burned all his anime figurines in the backyard fire pit while he fed himself finger sausages from the barbecue at two in the morning.
2: The glow of the fire had woken her. And then Jeffrey was gone. The missing part of the story, from Brenda Heyer's perspective, was what had happened six months ago
1: on his fishing trip to the reservoir. She didn't know about the UFO or the alien, or how the alien had two turnip heads on a starfish body or how the alien had only needed to speak five ideas in a certain order, not words but ideas without words, to plant a seed in Jeffrey Hayer that would sprout and grow and nearly blossom like some sort of evil morning glory
2: into a new being. But now, Brenda could cancel the appointment with the divorce attorney. The
1: pastoress hustled on her way beneath the streetlights in the loneliest hour. They say that the pastoris comes by night, and if you see the pastoris in the night,
2: despair. For you have wandered far, far beyond salvation's reach.
1: Naomi only owned one pair of black pants that weren't leggings. Those black slacks were required uniform for the opening of her art show at the college tomorrow. Leggings were explicitly off the table thanks to a conservative faculty member, and these black slacks now had a drawn-out, gratuitously splattered, glossy pale stain reaching right across both butt cheeks. She had been practicing her artist statement in front of the mirror, and she looked really good in those professional clothes when one thing led to another, and not long later she had homemade organic vegan vanilla banana ice cream on her butt. Because she got nervous, and that made her depressed, and then the depression ushered her to the tub of leftover homemade organic vegan vanilla banana ice cream in the freezer. And somehow, a dab got loose and melted in the kitchen chair, where she shortly after chose to plop herself down for a rest. Since she would be teaching yoga classes all morning, attending her college class from roughly noon to 3, using the studio time she booked at 3, and then preparing for her show at five. Well, here she was at the laundromat at two in the morning. What, buy new pants? Faster, yes. But she had ten dollars in the bank account, five of which was now in quarters for doing her pants, and five of which was for her need to eat at least one meal tomorrow, or she might die before the opening from the coalescence of stress and
2: famishment. He was
1: naked and alone. The hour was midnight. His feet slapped against the cold floor as he wound through the rows of lockers towards the showers, white towel girding his loins in a way that made him feel pleasantly like a caveman. Rob was a forty something tax attorney who believed he worked out and drank enough smoothies to pass for a thirty something and a stud. Rob looked every year his age and didn't smell so much of man-musk as of obnoxious body spray and his dog, Glover. The blue-tinged fluorescent lights flickered. There was something freeing and manly about being in the showers of the gym at midnight when he was alone, a feeling like pissing with the bathroom door open, of marking and owning his territory. Rob turned the corner, smelling the musk and chlorine of the shower room and pulled the knob on the middle shower starting the shimmering sprinkle he tested it with his hand he got it hot and ducked his head in turning and letting the water hit his back he rubbed the water from his eyes and opened them again a girl stood in the corner rob gasped and began to apologize as if he wasn't the one in the wrong gender's locker room she was as still as a statue in her colored uniform having dark, dyed-purple page-cut hair and eyes picked out an eyeliner. She was on the young end, young enough for Rob, if he had seen her in some other context, to have thought, I shouldn't be looking, but not young enough to actually make him feel very bad
2: for looking. Not bad at all. She had a gun. Rob put up his palm. He peed a little.
1: Please, I'm sure we can work out some sort of arrangement. Whatever you want. We can reason person to person, she said coldly. I'm not a person. With a steady, confident motion, she leveled the pistol at him, outfitted excessively with silencer, stock, and scope, bracing the stock against her shoulder and tipping her head to gaze through the scope. Rob snapped to his senses and started to run. He slipped and slid
2: into the brick wall. His knee began to bleed. The pastoress slowly stepped after him, still looking through the scope. Why, he screamed, what do you want? Did Joey send you? Joey was a dirt bag in a case he had worked once. It was a long
1: shot and long ago, but it was the best theory he had to explain a hit on himself. He was a tax lawyer, for crying out loud. Really white-collar stuff. A loud impact from the roof called the pastoress's eyes upward. Rob used the opportunity to try to scramble to his feet. The ceiling exploded into bricks and drywall and splinters, casting the pastoress back against the nearest shower fixture, which began to spray, matting her hair, soaking her inky cassock, and causing her eyeliner to run as she sneered. The building shook again. The familiar gaze of a mushroom crossed with a squid peered down and writhed through the hole in the roof. Rob screamed on his ass across the room. She shot him in the head and then began firing on the armored fetal implementer, as its name would translate, wiggling inward from above. The guy had already been impacted, so what was an armored fetal implementer doing here? It had to have known she was coming for the guy. Her present firearm was not the proper firearm for this sort of work. It was good for a simple, old-fashioned two in the head, one in the heart human kill, not for blowing the tentacles off of an implementer. She focused fire on its head foot, particularly the compound eye. If she could blind enough of it, she might escape; but she wasn't going to pierce the armored carapace of the head foot with this caliber, or disable every tentacle in any efficient way. She was backing toward the passage to the pool. Brown meat feelers tickled the air ever closer to reaching her. Turning, she ran through the passage, round a corner, and threw open the door to the pool. Just as the door shut behind her, it exploded open again with a flood of tentacles. The pastoress turned and opened fire, falling backward into the pool. <laughs> Chip biscuits! Naomi swore. As she got down onto the floor to search for the quarter that slipped through her fingers, she could not see the matted head of the purple black hair gazing into the laundromat window like a drowned cat, or see this girl's eyes shrewdly scan the interior. But Naomi did hear the bell ring and the footsteps while she pulled at the quarter trying to pick it up from under the bench. As she stood up, the dryer door on the other side of the island of washers and dryers clicked open. Naomi came eye to eye with a sopping wet teenage girl with running eyeliner, unbuttoning the priest's garment she was wearing. The pastoress' fingers stopped and her eyes froze on Naomi, as blankly as a deer startled in the headlights. Oh, Naomi said. Hi there. She smiled crookedly and then finished putting the last quarter into the dryer, and she returned to minding her own business, sitting down on the bench facing the front windows. But she didn't mind her own business for very long. This was a little too weird. She glanced sidelong at the girl and found she had resumed changing right out there in the open. The girl caught her looking, and Naomi's eyes went wide. She flashed another crooked smile and then looked out the window. Apparently, she would be spending the next 40 or so minutes of drier time with a 15-year-old scene kid who didn't give two shits who saw her underpants. Naomi got on Tumblr. The girl was now brushing the water droplets from her arms and midriff with the sides of her palms, scowling.
2: Hey, if my load was done, you could use my bath towel, Naomi said. The girl froze, staring across her brow.
1: It took her around five seconds to answer.
2: I drive faster than the water I wear. I am fine. Oh, What happened to you? Naomi wondered. The girl kept her eyes lowered on
1: the spinning tumbler of the dryer as she answered dryly. I was in the fight.
2: What fight? Naomi wondered. The girl didn't answer. Well, this will be an awkward thirty-seven minutes, she thought. Did you win? she tried, cracking a smile. Mmm, the soaked girl droned, watching the dryer tumbler. All
1: the times I win, she said. I am not here if
2: I not win.
1: Where are you from? That's a beautiful accent. Mmm, the pastorist toned. Scotland, she mumbled.
2: It was an answer she'd heard someone give to that question before. Really, Naomi wondered. It didn't sound a bit
1: like a Scottish accent to her. Plus, this girl's English was broken when a Scot's wouldn't be. Yeah, are you sure you're okay? I mean, if there's anything I can do, happy to help. We all fall in bad circumstances sometimes, right?
2: I fall in the pool, she said. Oh, I see, Naomi said. After a moment, she spoke again.
1: Aren't you afraid of, you know, getting peeped at through the window? I mean... Anyone could walk in here theoretically, right, even though it's late, I mean?
2: "What is the peep?" the pastoress asked,
1: her black eyes flitting to Naomi briefly like a moth passes before the light bulb, making it
2: appear to flicker, before resting again on her dryer. "Ah, uh, to look at," Naomi said. "I do not fear the looking at," she answered gravely. "Why I wouldn't fear the looking at?" No eye does hurt no one. Uh, yeah, I guess, Naomi said.
1: What did this girl do for a living that she was beyond worrying about how people looked at her body? Was this some sort of child trafficking thing going on? If so, wouldn't there be some pimp or something watching over her,
2: keeping her on a short leash? Naomi stopped looking out the window and shuddered. Should she call somebody? So, uh, why the priest outfit? Were you at a party? The pastoress met Naomi's eyes again and held them. For the first
1: time, the corner of that flat-lined mouth curled up, just slightly. Ah, yes, I do love the god, she said. Suddenly, she was almost shy in the way that she looked at Naomi. Naomi like a little girl sharing something close to the heart while looking for reassurance.
2: Uh, cool, was the first thing to come out of Naomi's mouth. Yes. Do you know the god? Oh, Lord, this was getting weird.
1: Sure, but I, uh, I believe, you know, that maybe there are, like, many names for him, you know? Oh, I not know the other names, the girl said wonderingly. What are some of the other names? Uh, Naomi stalled, visualizing the books on meditation on her bookshelf. Uh, like Brahman, I guess, or Krishna, or Buddha. While Naomi couldn't call herself religious, the ideas of the infinite and of the world soul played into her meditation practice under various names, and she had studied westernized hand-me-down Hinduism through books from the health and wellness store. She, like many, had read that one chapter of the Bhagavad Gita that was more about the soul and union with the Godhead than about ancient people killing each other. I did not know this, the pastoress said. I had the the big luck of to speak to the God a time in his... What, what is the word?
2: House? No, you have the more good word. A uh, palace? On Beta Aradanas. What?
1: Yes, you know not that it is the where he make palace, And the front windows exploded into a shower of shards that sounded like a rainstick as they scattered on the floor. Ah, oh, shoot, the pastorus swore. The fight is not wind. There was something looking like a mushroom with the face of a housefly hanging upside down in the night, which made Naomi mightily want to scream. The underwear girl ducked and came back up with a gun. War erupted. Naomi fled toward the back, flinging aside the vinyl curtain that separated the back from the front. Turning to check behind her, she stopped to see the pastoress captured in the monster's tentacle grip, which jerked her about in the air. Her pistol lay on the floor tiles. I have told you about the Wren, yes? The pastoress grumbled at the abomination. See, the dawn of this world is... She had been whacked against the wall. And then the ceiling, which sent particles of tile flying. Now her eyes were hazy and struggled to stay open. But she saw part of the implementer's crimson compound eye explode, kind of like a marble tossed into raspberry pudding. It reached for its wound with a minor feeler and screamed in silent images broadcast for both women to see. Alien landscapes from an alien hell. The pastoress looked back to see the talky human girl in a solid A-stance leveling the pastoress's gun at the implementer. The beast threw the pastoress at Naomi, sending them both to the ground and sliding on the floor toward the curtain. Oh my god! Get up! Run! Naomi shouted at the girl, now in her lap. You gone well, the lazy-eyed pastoress mumbled. My redneck brother! Let's go! Let's go! Can you... Naomi screamed because the tentacles found them both, and now she was moving through the air towards something like a turtle's beak, but the size of a mini-cooper. Meanwhile, it was banging the pasturess on the floor like a doll. It was so brutal and horrifying that Naomi thought,
2: in that fleeting moment before being torn asunder, instead of, I'm about to die. My God, she's got to be dead.
1: But the thing brought her to its frothing, bleeding eye and examined her, and from that bleeding, frothing eye, which opened like the blooming of a lotus flower, there emerged a red appendage with a smaller yellow eye, and it caressed her forehead, projecting images that hung fixed over reality. Mushroom
2: forests. Phlegmatic lakes. Love. Yes. Love. Suddenly, Naomi fell and her
1: butt hit the floor, possibly fracturing her tailbone. The monster screamed in colors of mauve and clay and cockatiel and thrashed. The pastoress, bleeding from her temple and bruised, squinted death through a swelling eye. Another dribble of blood proceeded over her lower lip where it was split. She towered over Naomi, frozen in an act of thrusting a machete into the mushroom monster's head foot. The abomination did not fall but now it fled out of the window into the cold night, like a liquid into a drain.
2: Did Anami impact you? The pastress demanded coldly. What? Shit! Impact me what? On the floor? Fuck! No. Did
1: enemy impact you? With... with the... The pastress wiggled her pointer finger in front of her eye, imitating the creature's projection from its eye. I don't... I don't know what that means. What the fuck just happened? Ship biscuits! Ship biscuits was a cutesy swear Naomi had gotten into the habit of saying to herself alone in her house. Now it slipped out unnoticed. Lock at the eye of me with the eye, the pastress instructed, grabbing Naomi's chin in her clammy little hand. Her brow furrowed.
2: Hey, Naomi said, You don't look nearly as bad as I thought you'd be. Boy, I thought you'd be dead after that.
1: No, this girl was definitely better off than only a moment ago.
2: This... This is... This is... What the fuck is this? Shh. The pastor scolded. Look. I say to you, verily, you okay. Not impacted. Not all the way. What... What was that that... You don't need to know a thing. Oh, I need to know. God, I need to pee. You are in the shock. I hear the that one time on TV. I'm not, I mean,
1: I'm shocked, but I'm not in. Armored fetal implementer in tongue of you. The pastoress interrupted, crossing her arms. Her dryer buzzed, and she went to take her clothes out. Naomi could hear the sirens on the street. Ah, those pest-flashing cop people come now, the pastoress said very casually, beginning to put on her
2: pants. Police? The police? Naomi stuttered. Is that what you say, then?
1: Naomi stared out into the face of the cold breeze, of the empty night, shaking.
2: Shit, biscuits.
1: The two women hustled down the street through the streetlights. What is going the fuck on? Naomi, her mesh laundry bag slung over her shoulder, demanded of the girl. You were all beat to shit a moment ago, and now you look like you probably did when you woke up this morning. The pastoress's sunken eyes jabbed her like a dart. Flesh of you does make better with time when has
2: thee hurt, yes? Yes, I heal, but not like that. I'll be feeling it in my tailbone for a month. Well, actually... Naomi thought a second. That's weird. I feel basically fine now. The pastorist stopped
1: hurrying and grabbed her unexpectedly by the hips glaring into her eyes like a salty
2: house cat. You are partway impacted, the pastorist declared. Hmm, what much of bad? What? Naomi flustered, ejaculated.
1: Tell me the honest. Do you feel much the want to be politics leader of
2: people of you? What? No, not... Tell me. Do you have hungriness much for the kale?
1: Not, well, maybe a little. The pastoress squinted extra hard to see into her soul. Now tell me the honest. I
2: say, what muchness of eyes do you see on the face of me? Ah, uh, two. Still two. Good, she ruled. You not see now with the vine eye.
1: The fetal implementer did not all the way put brains
2: of him in you. His mind is in me, Naomi screamed. Only but little, the pastorist assured. Come,
1: we need have much fawness from the flashing car people now.
2: Tugging on Naomi's sleeve, she began jogging, and they continued down the street. The most happy pot? The pastoress panted. Is the that now you not so much human, die much less easy. Your healings are, are you impacted, Naomi pressed. Oh no,
1: God forbid! The pastoress answered, "I, I am
2: what kill the impacted." Naomi stopped jogging after her. The pastoress turned. I. Are you going to kill me? Oh, the pastor's chimed, surprised. I do not see the need. Do you, do you want me to do the kill you, to play safe? Ah, uh, No, no, I do not. Okay, then, the pastor said. We just
1: play by the ear, as you say, and see how it goes, then. You are probably not all the way impacted. Naomi thought a moment and then started jogging after her again. What is impacted? Hey,
2: what is impacted? In another half block, the pastoress had slowed to a stop. She unlocked an old model Volkswagen Beetle, lead
1: gray but mottled with rust that gave the whole body a pattern like camouflage.
2: Is this you? Naomi wondered. Where are you going? I have the other work yet before the day comes, the pastress answered. Why follow you me? What? I need to know what just happened. The pastress faced her
1: with leveled, lowered eyelids. Naomi would have sworn that her eyeliner had even healed itself. She pleaded again in a lower voice. What happened to me? What was that? I tell
2: you this already.
1: The name of it in the tongue of you is Beetle Implementer.
2: It's not from here. Yeah, duh, I know. It's... meh. The pastress glanced at her car. Very well. You come with me. No, tell me now. I have work to do. You come or not. OMG, Naomi swore
1: as the pastoress walked around to the driver's side. She popped the passenger door and ducked inside, herpy the tetanus bug. Who are you? Naomi asked after some silence. They drove down the street. Naomi had her laundry bag between her knees and her hands tucked in her yellow hoodie and stared out the window at the city's shadows. I am sorry, the pastoress said working the steering wheel with the minute jerks and
2: death grip of a
1: senior citizen.
2: I do not understand the question. Who am I? I am the me. I mean, what is your name? You cannot know it. Well, Fine, if it's a secret, make up a name so I have something to call you.
1: Oh, it is not a secret,
2: the pastoress explained. I mean, you cannot know it. It is not knowable to the brains of you. What are you? Your mouth is wholly unable to say what I am. What are you doing here? I kill. Why? Why? I kill the vesicles of the wide vine. Why? Because it is the good work to do.
1: The wide vine come where it can, and need be killed. The wide vine? Naomi screamed. The pastoress had veered into the wrong lane, with a courier truck coming, and now swerved back.
2: Do you feel okay?
1: The pastoress asked without the slightest rise in her dull voice. You make loud fear sound. We were not in nearness to death and the loud fierce sound, I think, a little overmuch reaction. Do you know how to drive? Naomi demanded. Ah, yes, the pastress answered. See, you use stick and pedal and wheel. Is there something bad with the how we are driving? The line is there for a reason, Naomi declared. Oh, well, yes, I know this. The species of you so fear-able. The other car made pass of us quite easy. OMG, Naomi muttered. I need to pee. Several seconds of silence ensued. The pastoress read Naomi from the corner of her eye before deciding to speak
2: up. You make name of me. What? You make name of me, the pastoress instructed. What is name of you? Naomi, she said. Naomi, the pastoress rehearsed. I do not know the wood. What means this word? Uh, it's like a name. It, it doesn't really mean anything. Oh. Well,
1: all right. It, I've looked it up. It means pleasant in Hebrew or something. But really, it doesn't mean anything. It's just a name.
2: I see. Hmm. Okay. Now, do to me. You want me to give you a name? Yes. Please do. Do you work for, uh, God?
1: The pastoress stared hard at Naomi, keeping her eyes off the road long enough to make Naomi rather uncomfortable, despite the lack of traffic. I must say I do not understand the thing called the joke. Is
2: this the one of those? Uh, Naomi stalled. I guess... No, I only meet the
1: god one time. I had the work in near to star of him, but I am all the time a fan, as you say, so when I see the planet of you has special clothes for the fans of him, I know how I want to look. Understand? I guess. Not really, but okay. You were going to explain to me this impacting thing. Oh, yes. The pastoress paused and was stalling, while she shifted her jaw back and forth in meditation. You see, this the wide vine. I say to you, yes, he make the fetal implementers long, long ago, quite long ago, in so that they search universe to find living beings. They make little by little into the wide vine. That is the impacting the wide vine send these to make himself all the places he is able they impact some ones of the species of you and the impacted ones change and change more and more like to him to end that they be him it is the how he grow he reproduce they did this to me naomi exclaimed not all the way the pastoress re-emphasized. Where are we going?
2: Oh, I say to you, I have one job more. Killing? Yes, that is the job. What is the work of you? I teach yoga. Naomi said in a
1: low, grim voice.
2: Who is yoga? That is some nice
1: name. M- maybe the name of me? They came to the municipal water treatment facility where cyclopean tanks towered black against the pre-dawn sky and blinked their red eyes. Is a man in this place, the pastoress explained to her in the car, applying the silencer to her pistol, who is impacted and is impacted for near
2: to one sun year.
1: How do you know? Naomi asked.
2: I feel him. When they get bad, they glow
1: like the flowers to the bees, and then I come to kill. You go home of you, or wet here in the car of me, and I drive you when I am done here.
2: Wow, this is crazy. Well, all right, see you around, I guess. You need to hope not, the pastress answered coldly. After a silence, she thought to look up and read Naomi's face.
1: Then she added, You need not worry. If you get bad, I will come to you and end you. That is what I was worrying about. Tell me, does your kind have emotions at all? Ah, yes, the feelings. Yes, but some of your words I am learning. Yes, I have what you call anger and hate, and I believe it is called disgust. All right, I see. Look, I'm just gonna go, uh, good, good luck with your murder.
2: Oh, thank you, Naomi, said
1: the pastoress, flashing a rare smile. Naomi left the car and walked down the side of the highway, laundry bag slung over her shoulder. She turned back to see the pastoress climb over the fence and jump down inside. Naomi took the phone from her pocket. She unlocked it and stared at it until it went blank again. Then she kept walking with it in her hand. Naomi feared several things.
2: She feared not being believed. And she feared reprisal. Finally, she unlocked it again and dialed. What's your emergency? Her hair stood and she hung up.
1: Some guy was about to die and she wasn't convinced he had to. If only the world knew that this thing was spreading here. Like a disease. Yes, it was a disease. Couldn't science and medicine hope to do something about being impacted? Something short of just killing everybody who has been affected? However, if she betrayed the priest girl now, might she not end up on her list? And how in the heck was she going to explain this to anybody at dispatch? Her phone buzzed aggressively. She almost dropped it, but managed to fumble it over in her palm. Restricted, it read. Of course, she knew better than to hang up on 911. Shit, she said aloud and waffled over answering. She told herself,
2: If I don't answer, a stranger dies tonight. But maybe he has to. Naomi moaned and then answered. Hello?
1: Abraxas County 911, we received a call from this number. Is everything all right? Naomi turned to look at the plant, trying to summon the least insane words she could say, and something like a large bird was passing overhead. Looking up, she saw instead, against the pink-gray overcast, something like the silhouette of a swimming squid thrashing inelegantly through the sky toward the plant. She realized there was more than one. A swarm of them was assembling over the plant
2: from the various directions, Shit biscuits, she said into the phone and hung up again. It's a trap. She dropped her laundry bag onto the sidewalk. She watched them begin to circle
1: like the eye of a storm. A glowing compound eye swooped in front of her from on high and looked into her soul. It communicated, and the sense of it was, Ah, one of us, hail self. Suddenly, all of the justifications for alternatively betraying or aiding the pastoress that had been flashing in her mind no longer had time, and no longer seemed important, Naomi could scarcely justify what she did.
2: But she found herself sprinting back to the plant. The
1: dawn of this world is coming the pastoress told the man on his knees by the feeted pools of wastewater. She had him under her gun, and now he groveled pathetically, weeping and stuttering. There came the reverberations of fast footsteps on the steel catwalk, and the pastoress turned to see. It's a trap! Naomi shouted. She was pointing up. As the pastoress began to look up, there was a gunshot. The man had produced a pistol. Now, the pastoress staggered backwards, clutching her shoulder. Another shot rang and struck her in the gut. She summoned what stability she could and attempted to level her pistol at her quarry again. From outside, the sound of sirens grew. The man got off another shot before the pastoress could aim and struck her in the head. She tumbled onto her back.
2: He got up from his knees. His aspect had changed, cocky now, he declared. I don't know who you are,
1: but you're not going to take what belongs to me. When life gives you a miracle, you do what you have to to defend it, you understand? And you're not the only killer here tonight, little lady. The pastoress rolled on the catwalk. Naomi stopped in her tracks. The man thought to hold his pistol on her now. Stay put, pretty lady, and tell me who sent you. Outside, the megaphone voice announced, Abraxas police, we have the plant secured. Come out of the plant with your hands over your head. Naomi only held her pointer finger toward the sky. Doubtful, the man looked up, and having seen, he screamed. No, he sputtered.
2: Not them. His now oversized eyes lighted on Naomi. He ran. Naomi hurried to the pastures.
1: Something that was not blood seeped from her wounds like tree sap. Get up, you gotta go, she shouted. Darkness descended like a murder of crows, engulfing the women in a wilderness of thrashing tentacles in bloom with glaring eyes. Naomi shrieked as the pasturist was rent into blobs of flesh that resembled clear gelatin and was consumed in the orgy of life. Naomi found herself in a forest that was not a forest full of red fungal trees and maudlin vines where jaundiced spores drifted on a sulfurous breeze. The heavens glowed green. A clearing opened toward the sunrise where, just short of the warty horizon, a city of gleaming canisters stood. Naomi seemed to float with her toes just off the oxidized earth. The thought came into her,
2: without words, as words are known. This is home. Our home is your home. Your home will be our home. We are I. We are Ota Asanash. Who was? Who will be? I am. I am, Naomi sputtered. You are
1: I, the other assured. No, I'm not. I must. Let me center she said, and with a spark of inspiration, she crossed her legs where she floated off the ground and began to meditate. While she drew her focus inward, whispers of images and abstractions babbled like babies, threatening to drown out
2: all of sanity. I am not Ota Asinash, she said inwardly. I am greater than Ota Asinash. I am Brahman." I am who was, who will be, but also who is. The tidal
1: flood of the other mind crashed against her shores. She imagined a golden thread passing through her center and raised her right hand. She let the golden thread grow to be as wide as her shoulders, and then as wide as the forest, and as wide as this world, and from there the boundary spread exponentially toward the ends of the universe tending unto an unimaginable infinity as her adrenaline and endorphins rushed, filling her with an almost tangible, buzzing perception of the light that is the Grandfather of Light. She took a knuckle-punch to the face. Naomi was pulled forth by two small hands wrapped around her throat. She met the glaring pastoress who bent over her against the overcast. Tentacles fell limp around her. I saw you die, Naomi wondered, rasping from within her clutches. Wait, what are you doing? You make call the flashing car people, and you let the impacted man to shoot me. You, Valley, do work for them now. No, I swear, I came back to tell you it was a trap. The pastress growled, and then shoved Naomi back into the pile of alien corpses. I did think you won him. It was the Trap, she said, nodding after the way the man had run. And you give him the ableness to shoot me.
2: I'm sorry, Naomi said. That's not what I wanted. Naomi looked about at the bodies of the fetal implementers. You...
1: Did you... did you kill them all? They... they had you. The pasturus... Who had been looking at the sky, scowled at Naomi from the
2: corner of her eye. "I did not kill them." The mind of them is, how do you say? "Over, Go?" "Overcome," Naomi corrected. "Ease. And they will yet move. We go now. The flashy men make shoot at us soon." "I did that," Naomi wondered
1: looking back at the heap of the horde of mushroom monsters as the pastoress led her away by the
2: wrist. Over the water treatment plant, the pink of dawn was beginning to creep into the sky.
1: At the college, afternoon sunlight cut through the single window in the shared studio space falling on the flat hair and sunken eyes of a very exhausted woman, surrounded with visionary paintings of neon-colored meditating women and Hindu omkaras, and cross-legged men with dreadlocks playing hand drums. The artist smeared acrylics over a new 10 by 10 canvas, making a window into a world flooded with
2: smooth brown appendages and a scattering of red eyes like searing raspberries. We'll be right back. back. Matt, would you like a cup of Earl Grey?
0: Uh, real gay what?
1: Uh, I'll take that as a yes. You're not going to knock down that wall with your eyes. You have to be a 13th degree master
0: for that. Uh, no, no, I, I didn't sign up for master class, Brett. Um, so would that be apartment 315 next door, or would that be 317? The former. Oh. Oh, that's the neighbor with the uh, you know, the yoga pants. Yes. Wait. Wait, Brett, I think I, I think I'm seeing something. Oh my god. Uh I see
2: Is it glistening?
0: Oh god, it's it's dark. Oh. God, it's it's utter darkness. The feelers are they're moving like snakes through the mist, Brett. Brett, they're, they're all around you. Shit, mad.
1: Quick. How many pustules are clustered around its top eye?
0: Oh, God. What? Uh, I don't know, five?
1: Oh, phew. That's just Matilda. For a second, I thought it was something weird. Matilda? Yeah, the showering neighbor girl I was looking at.
2: Who are you thinking of?
0: Uh, you know, the, the neighbor, 317, the one... Oh. Oh, it is wearing yoga pants. Hey, Matilda.
1: Would you like to read the outro this week? Great. Splendid job. Brett here. Thanks for listening to this episode of Monster Porn. If you like what you hear, first, you're not paying your psychoanalyst enough, and second, subscribe to stay on top of our regular episodes, which come out every other Monday. Rate and review us on iTunes, it only takes a minute. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We're still open for bonus episode story submissions. Please see our website for guidelines. Are you a musician or a songwriter? We're also soliciting original compositions to be featured in episodes of Monster Porn Podcast. Get in touch with us at info at monsterpornpodcast.com. We'll see you next time, dear Monster baiters. Be that with the natural eyes or the unnatural. Until then, tentacle hugs. Stay weird and Godspeed, strange cowboy.
0: Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to remind everybody to rate and review on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. All right. Enjoy the sew. The sew? Enjoy the sewing.
1: <laughs> the joy of sewing with the the and Cummins. The joy of sewing. Enjoy the show. Brown meat feelers tickled the air ever near her to her. Near her to her brown meat feelers tickled the air ever near her to her near her to her god damn it yeah but like you know i believe maybe there are you know like many names for him like Mephistopheles. do you feel much the want to be d- 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 d-